everybody. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Transatlantic Rebels podcast. My name is Jessel and my co-host is Rochard. This week, we have LCD sound system for all you North American scum. And for those of you who think you're from England... Okay, so this week on the Transatlantic Rebels podcast, we are going to be covering a couple of albums that I've chosen for Rashad to listen to, and they are by a band stroke man called LCD Sound System. So the first album is Sound of Silver from 2007. In fact, um, we're recording this in March, and uh, it's 10 years to the week that it was recorded. Um, the album was actually released. Well, sorry, it was released ten years to the week, so uh, we've timed that quite nicely in a way. And uh, and then the other album is This Is Happening, which was released in 2010, and that is officially their last album. But it seems like they should be coming back this year with a new one after a seven-year hiatus. So, Rashad, what did you know about LCD Sound System before I uh, I requested that you listen to them? Okay, so I have a confession to make. Sometimes, okay, so this is going to be this is going to be off on a little tangent. Sometimes, when it comes to like 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 certain like I respect critics on the whole, but sometimes there's like there's like lines of thought and lines of groups that when I hear when I hear certain critics talk a certain way, I pretty much rebel against them, and um, not because of the band themselves, nothing fault of the band itself, but sometimes certain critics, not all of them, but there's there's a small subset that gets on my nerves that kind of like the hyperbole is sometimes too much. And when it's too much, sometimes I just reject it outright and I go, I'll get back to that when, when I come back to it rather than that thing. It's like some stuff like, like Grizzly Bear or um, what's the other one? I had a bunch of them in my head. Like Grizzly Bear, like Animal Collective, yeah, um, Vampire Weekend. It's like that certain group – because I have a confession to make. When it comes to like like independent artists or like just artists in general, I do tend to steer more towards women than I do guys. I don't. Know, I have a bunch of guy albums. Don't get me wrong, but I tend to at least when it comes into that kind of like territory. I guess if you guys been following us for a while, it looks like a lot of my artists that I've picked were basically like females. So I kind of like the way my the way my creativity works. I lean more towards them. So when I hear that indie guy kind of thing, I kind of like. Even though I respect intellectually get it, it's kind of like I reject against it. And LCD sound system was like one of them for the longest time. I just pretty much was like, okay, I'll get to them when I get to them, blah blah blah, or whatever. But I've heard, but but I've been hearing things like they revered. What's the other group? Um, MGMT. Oh, good. It's like just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, you know, what I'm talking about. It's just like that, that, that kind of group that these that certain certain subset of critics like. Like put on this plateau. I'm just like fuck you guys. I'm not listening to that shit till I'm ready. I'm not even gonna give it the time of day. It's kind of like that kind of situation. So um, and it's not any. It's not anything of the fault. It's not anything to the fault of those bands. It's just that sometimes I just reject certain things. And that's like and that's the kind of person I'm in real life. Sometimes when you hype something a certain way, I'm just gonna go fuck you. I'll listen to it when I'm ready. That's just basically how I am to a certain extent. But um, I just knew that they were like. Like he or they were a independent group, 
and they were like revered with people. So I had an ideal kind of um, that it was like some kind of dancey kind of feel, electronic kind of stuff. But I just kind of like just left it alone until Jessel recommended me to listen to it. So I guess you can give more of like a historical background on it. Well, okay. So some of the bands that you mentioned, especially around that era, kind of the mid noughties and stuff like that. Um, I mean, they, they are primed like either one hit wonders or two hit wonders or whatever, like, or, or just like you said, completely overhyped. Um, I, I would remove Animal Collective from that because I think they had at least like two really great albums, one of them, which I think is fantastic. But I, I think what you need to do in this situation in general is basically it's difficult to do when there's a lot of hype and noise around, but you need to try and look and think, have these people produced a worthy work of art? And that you can take and then 10, 20 years down the line is still relevant. So someone like MGMT, then, you know, they, they made a couple of good songs. I'm not going to front. I, I liked a couple of songs a lot, but their two albums were very shaky. And then Grizzly Bear Jesus, let's just not even talk about them. You know, they're like, again, you've got like, <laughs> well, again, you've got like kind of one song and then it's this and that, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think people get a bit too OTT sometimes. You but, know? Do you, but, do you, but do you know what I mean when I'm trying oh, to say Oh, I completely agree. And, I, but no, this is yeah. the point. This is the point is that I think you're completely right. And I'm generally along the same lines. LCD Sound System did something. They made a classic. Um, for me, Sound of Silver is one of the best albums this century. And listening back to it in preparation for this podcast has only renewed my uh, my feelings about it. I'm one of the geeky people who, back when it was released, it was streamed. The whole thing was on MySpace. So we're going way back here. We're going 10 years. The whole thing was on MySpace. I'm one of those people that listened to it in advance and then bought it first week. Um just based on the hype, I wasn't like a giant fan of their previous work or anything. In fact, we're not even going to cover their first album because I just, I'm, it was perfectly good. And, you know, the song Daft, uh, Daft Punk is playing at my house. It's all great, blah, 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 blah. But I just don't really care for that album. Sound of Silver is the one. As, a, as an album, almost pretty much from start to finish, there's only one song I don't really take to. But every other song, I'm just like, wow. And it's one of those albums that has grown as I've aged. And now I'm basically the same kind of age as when he recorded it so it's even more relevant to me now um it's just it's just blown me away the last kind of like few weeks listening back to it the, especially sound of silver um this is happening we'll get to that later i think that's more i don't know i think there are certain issues with it but it's still a good album for sure um okay so let, let's because you're the newbie here on uh, lcd in terms of like the actual music as opposed to the hype what were your first kind of impressions of Sound of Silver? And I'm just going to say to the listener, if you're listening to, if you can hear any background noise, I'm actually opening some wine and I'm going to pour it into a glass. This has been a hell of a week. I don't usually do this. <laughs> I probably drink like three times a year now as a father and uh, I'm going to drink. So this is my fun time. Go, Rashad. All right. So um, for long time listeners, we usually do this thing where it's basically like we pick three songs that we like and then we kind of break it down and stuff like that. But I'm pretty sure Jessel's going to do that one. But for my version, I have something different. But the way it's going to work, when I explain when I explain what's going to happen next, it'll make sense about how I'm going to go about doing the album. So I listened to it like four or five times and I enjoyed it. And like I said, intellectually and sonically, it's a good album. But for me, it's kind of like it was kind of hard for me to pick a favorite song because like the songs were so long and, and, and a lot of, and a lot of lyrics, like even though they were, they were, they were good for what they were. Like I really couldn't hang up my hat on any lyrics. So basically it was like purely sound. So what I did was, um, I wrote three adjectives 
for each one of the songs on there, pretty much, or like not even adjectives, but like just just three ideals or or a mixture of ideals and adjectives. They kind of go down there because when I was listening to it, all the songs kind of bleeded in together after a while because some of the songs were like nine minutes, some of them were like eight minutes, and then like come in there, but it's all like dancey kind of feel. So basically, for me, like I'm more of like a like lyrics and sound, but. I would overall say, like, before I even get into that kind of stuff, I would just say, like, it's a great, it's a good album. Maybe even great if I listen to it a little bit more. But basically, it's, it's I think this is the kind of album I think you listen to, where you just pop it in your car on a summer day and just drive around and just like just just let it wash over you, as compared to like just trying to get into what he's trying to say or whatever like that. I don't think it's that kind of album. Um, We're gonna disagree. For me, Ooh. for me, but you go there. But wow. You, I see. There you go. Wow. So there you go. So there you go. So, because I, 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 I tell you why, I tell you why, because after a while, like after a while, like like listening to the songs, like I started like I started like I still enjoyed the music, but I started draw, my my attention started wavering off a little bit. Like even though I knew this music was good, it was like it felt like it was like not I'm not, I'm not gonna call it background music because it's not background music, and I know that there's been work and thought and consideration put into it. So I'm not arguing the songs are all the songs are all technically good. But for me, when I listened to it, my mind started wandering and drifting off a little bit and coming and like drifting in and out and coming back. And what I took from the album was basically more like the feel than the actual like um, the songs itself. Like I, I, I get the feels like if I, if I, when I explain, when I, when I go through what I go through, maybe you'll get a better idea of where I'm coming from. And maybe you can like, like kind of like steer me towards what you think I should be focusing on. Um, so um, the first one is. Get innocuous, yeah. right? With an exclamation point. Yeah. Um. So the three, so the three ideals I had, the three words I had were like, one was '80s, the second one was mechanical, and the third one was like Human League. I had for that one. Um, time to get away. I had skittery, I had disco, and I said bass guitar in the forefront. Um, North American scam. I had dirty. I had Ramones, and I had New York '70s street culture. I had on for someone great. I had a synthy feel, John Hughes and Molly Wind, a Molly Ringwald moment. I had that. One. <laughs> um, all my friends, I had car commercial, piano, and marching. Uh, us versus them. I had Funk Light, David Bowie, and Talking Heads. Uh, watch the tapes. I had Seventies Garage, and Call and Response. Uh, Sound of Silver, I had Sparkly, Dreamy, and Brooding. And then New York, I Love You, But You're Bringing Me Down, I had... <laughs> I had Fugazi, Frank Sinatra, Crescendo, <laughs> and Guitar. <laughs> That's For that. So those are the ideals that I that I took from it as, as far as my mind was going in and out through it. That's stuff I took away from it. But like I said, it's, it's by no means a bad album. It's a great album. For what I listen to right now, and this is what I just came into it this week, so I probably have to give it more time to listen to even more. But just on the five listens I gave it to, there was no bad songs on here, but my mind drifted in and out. So maybe if I'm doing something a little bit more, I think my problem was I was like laying like laying in the bed, and and I played it on the computer, and I had like the speaker just blasting while I was laying down in the bed. So basically, what I was doing was just like letting it wash over me, and then my mind started wandering to other like other like like memories of other times and stuff like that, or even different imagery. So I wasn't, I couldn't focus, like especially with the nine minute songs, 
I couldn't focus 100% on them because my mind started drifting to other stuff. And that's not like a negative drift. It's like a positive drift because it was like bringing me images from other like movies or things that I experienced or just like tones and textures that, I'm, that I was used to in my 40 years on this planet. So um, that's where I'm kind of at with it for right now. Okay, in your defense, I'm going to leap to your defense before I um, sort of weigh in on, on certain <laughs> other aspects. Um, I, I'd say definitely like tracks six, seven, and eight, um, they're definitely along those lines where you can zone in and out of them. I'd even I'd even say two of the best tracks, which is Someone Great and All My Friends, the way that they're structured, you're right, they're very long, you know, six, seven minutes and stuff. Um, those are the kind of tracks that designed to make you think back on the past or think about something you know they're very reflective um and i think i i can i can see why you would kind of drift in and out especially if it's perhaps not the right setting the only thing i'd say is that this is definitely a layered album that at, at first you'll get your you know you'll get your first impressions like you think oh yes this is quite 80s this is this this is quite funny this is whatever and then as you kind of listen more and more and then start to delve into it actually it's, it's an incredibly deep album like it really is and as i was alluding to before i think every this is one of those ones where if you can kind of earmark every year that ends in a seven moving forward so just come back to it every 10 years you'll find more and more relevant with it every time you listen to it even a song like New York I Love You But You're Bringing Me Down <laughs> because like it's I'm sure I'm sure that was relevant for people in the 70s who were looking back and thinking oh New York used to be better than this you know so um, and, and this guy's from New Jersey James Murphy's actually from New Jersey as well so he's not even an actual oh. New Yorker um, okay so so there I mean I'll definitely kind of, um, sort of leap to your defence in, in that aspect um, I think I think I think even more so perhaps than this is happening. This is definitely one that it kind of does bleed. Tracks do bleed into each other a little bit like that. And and it takes quite a few repeat, repeat listeners to get it, really. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I was I was listening, you know, the last few weeks and I picked up things that I hadn't picked up, even though I've probably listened to this album like a hundred times kind of thing. So um, I think there's just always something there, really. Um, so... Yeah, I, I like how you did that. I like the sort of three kind of phrases for each one. That was quite cool. Um, get inno- I'll sort of delve into a bit more of the details and stuff like that. Get Innocuous for me was amazing. It's really funny because um, that year or the year afterwards, it was Grand Theft Auto was re- released and this was actually on the advert for it. So, so the worldwide advert, it was this song. And this song is one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. Um, it's a dream to DJ and the sonics in it are just incredible like it especially if you're listening with a good pair of headphones as well and um like his his vocals are are multi-layered on that um the lyrics are quite cool as well especially because around that time you know i was i used to be a full-time dj so i used to come home at like four or five in the morning and this is kind of what it's about as well that track Time to Get Away is one of those ones I always thought it was just one of these kind of like general FU tracks, but it's actually a specific one to his former manager who he fell out with. So um, once you kind of reread it through that prism, then you're like, okay, this is a very specific song, even though it's, you know, obviously it's quite translatable to everyone. And North American Scar, <laughs> it's, okay, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, this is the most polite way I can say this, but around that time, the world hated you america the world hated you 2007 people did not like you think thanks to um you know warmongering and this and that and obama hadn't come in at that time you know so 
like we've talked about it on this podcast before, but Obama did a lot to repair the global reputation of America. So this was a very timely song about how the the worldview of Americans had (laughs) taken a downturn, let's just say in that polite way. But it's very sort of self-deprecating, you know, it's like we're North American scum. At some point you... We just don't care, you know. He's he's taking the piss out of a lot of things and stuff, and, and but it's it's quite a clever kind of one. On the next album, I guess the counterpoint to that is Drunk Girls because they're both sort of they're kind of like two sides of the same coin, really. Someone Great, which is again one of my favorites. This this song, this album has like three of my favorite songs this century, which are Get Innocuous, Someone Great, and All My Friends. Um, Someone Great is one of those misunderstood tracks where you think it's about a girl. And it turns out it's actually about his therapist who passed away. <laughs> so he had a he had a wow. long yeah he had actually had a, I think it's Doctor Kamen or something like that or Carmen or something and um, and he had a very long standing relationship uh, like he's never spoken about it explicitly but you know everyone's kind of inferred this is this is it so his uh, his therapist passed away and this song is exactly about that so once again once you kind of think about that. I went years thinking about it. It was, it was about breaking up with a girl or, or relationship issues and stuff like that, right? That's why I used the word Molly Ringwall. Like, it felt like that was those kind of breakup moments, like a John Hughes movie. Like, somebody's like that, the world's ending kind of thing. It kind of felt like that. Yeah, and there's so many little subtle lyrical takes in it that are really clever as well. As a side note, actually, apparently he once, James Murphy uh, was offered a job as a writer on Seinfeld and he turned it down. So, you know, you're talking about someone who does have wit and, and is pretty good with a pen. Although he admits that rock music can be quite clunky lyrically and like on the next album, he takes the piss out of his own lyrics sometimes and stuff. You know, you, you can't get everything right 100% of the time. So someone great, yeah, I mean, that actually, once you kind of filter it through that light, then it takes on a whole different meaning. Really, it's about loss, to be honest. And it's about trying to move forward after you've lost someone great. Um, All My Friends is the centerpiece. I mean, that's one of the ones that's constantly referred to as one of the best tracks this century and stuff. And it, and it is, it absolutely is. I remember playing it to that, I think it was only about a month after it was released. I went to Amsterdam for Queen's Day. Uh, my best friend was out there. He was living there at the time. And I played in this album and he was just like, wow, he was just, this is incredible. And he kind of he picked up on all the subtle, like, musical tendencies of the song and, like, the double tracking and stuff like that. So, um, but All My Friends is really about, again, kind of growing up. Like, I was in my mid-20s at that point and now I'm in my mid, I'm going to be charitable to myself, my mid-30s. And um, it, it's it's about how that kind of period, you're very different, you you know, well, when you're a teenager, when you're in your mid twenties, when you're in mid thirties, it's, it's this constant, shade, you know, changing sands and your views and your, that detachment from being able to just enjoy things. And then uh, it's it's a fascinating song, but it's also just a great party anthem as the last song. <laughs> like you put that on at the end of the night for the right crowd, and people lose their minds over that song. Um, Us be them. That was that's one of those ones where I think you're right. It could, you know, that's like fuck. That's like eight songs, eight minutes or something, right? So it's kind of like it, and there's there's not many lyrics to it. So that's much more of an open text one. You know, you could filter it and saying it's us versus Donald Trump or whatever, whatever, or this or that. It could just be anything, really. But I I do love that song. Watch the tapes is the one song I've never liked on this album. I've just it's yeah. it's not a bad song. I just never took to it ever. You don't feel now. Uh, I think the uh, a woo is in North American Scum, isn't it? Uh, it's on Watch Tapes. Is that? Oh, is there another I one? Think, I think it's a Watch. Yeah, there's another album 
on, on watch the tapes. I, I may not be saying it the right way. I may the, oh, I may okay. be saying it the, the North American version, but there's another Awu. Oh, okay. It's like a girl saying it, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, I just never liked that song. I, it's, even to this day, I just skip it. Like, I, I listen to it in this, for this podcast, but I still skip it. Uh, Sound of Silver is another one. Of, I mean, there's like fucking five lines or something that are just repeated over and over again. So you kind of zone in and out. But I do like the five lines. It is quite clever. It's kind of, you know, makes you want to feel like a teenager until you remember <laughs> what it was like being a teenager. And that is so accurate. You could not pay me to go back to being a teenager. You know, I loved it. I, I was a goofy idiot at the time. It was brilliant. The whole world was my oyster, but you could not pay me to go back to that era. So, uh, and the last track, New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. Um, my brother was living in New York at the time. So I kind of got the inside track on what New York was like. And then, then I visited him quite a lot and he lived in one of those kind of areas that was Brooklyn Greenpoint or, or something around that area. That's where he used to live. And I just saw how gentrified it was and stuff. And it's just, what I was expecting, I was expecting to kind of go out and see like parties here and amazing stuff there. And what I experienced was incredibly different. Manhattan was just the most kind of, my God, it was like being back in the fifties or something, you know, it was just all the white people had all the money and all the non-white people were yeah. doing all the service jobs, basically. And I was like, what oh, the yeah. fuck is going Set on? This sounds about right. Man, it was crazy. And then, and even Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn was supposed to be like the epicenter of amazing greatness and stuff. And, and it, it was fine. There were elements of it. But already by that stage, it was really more about kind of um, people having kids and settling down and stuff like that. So I guess I'd maybe miss the boat on, on the genuine kind of cool, great parties and stuff. Um, but as I mentioned before, he was actually from New Jersey. So he kind of saw it from an outsider's, outsider's point of view, as well as someone who had spent a lot of time in New York. Um, I think it's a great, great way to end it actually. Um, I mean, all in all, like I, I just think it's definitely one of my favorite albums this century without a doubt. I think it's one of the best that I've heard as well. Yeah. It's good music. Um, I think musically it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, it mixes that dance and punk element. Like, I mean, I, I say punk, but for me, it's always been kind of like more soft, punk stroke rock yeah um, oh yeah i would say that i would say more of that. yeah i think i think calling it punk is a little bit charitable if i'm honest <laughs> you know but i think i think he's incredibly quick-witted um the vocals aren't exactly you know astounding vocals and i think he's alluded to that himself like he's, he's not it's the most confident vocalist yeah it's surface uh, serviceable exactly but i think he he meshes well with the music and the, and the lyrics for me once you delve into the lyrics more and more actually there are a lot of gems there there really are it's just they're masked um to you know again to come to your kind of side of the things the lyrics are quite masked by the music and the concepts and stuff like that quite a lot so it takes it takes a while to peel back those layers for sure but i don't know it's one of these albums just like I was even just listening to it for fun before we did the podcast with a great set of headphones and I was still picking up things that I'd never even heard before. There's, the production on it is is absolutely astounding. Um, I think it's one of these, these albums, it's just going to age so well and people will just find it in the most peculiar spots coming down. I would recommend because this. Because it's not trendy. Yeah, and I think it's, this, it's also the sound of someone who's a bit pissed off at the music industry and just wants to do something different. So when you're saying the songs are really long yeah but that's by design because it's easy to do three minute hits and stuff and just knock those out and churn them out for what your record label would want but actually to to make an album of long songs even though dance is a genre traditionally you know it's very forgiving to long songs and you do get kind of eight nine minute edits and stuff like that that's what that's why i figured it was like that yeah so so that's why that's what i love as well because as someone who grew up on dance music as well as all the other genres 
then and then DJ a lot of dance music as well. Then it was it's almost like this album was made for someone like me because it it's got witty lyricism, but it's got dance and then it's got rock and then it's got really great themes as well. You know, the, I think on this album in particular, I'd say less so. This is happening, um, but the, this is him looking very internally at, at, at things that will affect him for the rest of life. you know even fatherhood and and the loss of a loved well not a loved one but someone who you respect and all and friends like even around that time i was kind of like probably literally two months before this album was released i i sort of you know quote unquote broke up with one of my best friends kind of thing and 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 it was you know in effect, it was me, but it was ended up mutual, and, and we've never spoken since, pretty much. <laughs> you know, and it's like ten years to the to the day, pretty much almost since that happened. And something like all my friends, you kind of hear that, and it comes rushing back, and you're like, "Wow, thank God, I'm no longer around that person." But I, I still kind of look back on that era and think, "Well, I, I probably wouldn't change a thing." Um, so, so it's it's just such a, a an amazing. I don't know for me. It's not just one of those ones that kind of reminds me of my mid-twenties, but I think it is something that I constantly come back to this album, especially those three songs. Um, Get Innocuous is just like, wow, as, as a song. Forget any emotions and stuff, I don't really care. It's just, as a musical masterpiece, uh, I think it's flawless. And it does, the, I mean, don't get me wrong, this does hark back to the 80s a lot, for sure. Um Oh yeah, and the eighties were hot around that time. Even if you think commercially, just like Timberland brought the eighties back and stuff. You know, we've talked about Nelly Furtado, Justin Timberlake, all that kind of yeah, and and loads of other artists were doing it. Um, but but I think this goes beyond that. I think he really brings his own appeal to this, and uh, I think I think this I think this album is eternal. If I'm honest, I think this will age so well, and people will just get it at the right time in their lives. Not everything has to be for teenagers. It really doesn't. You know. No. Uh, uh, I love teenagers. I was one, but fuck teenagers. Not everything has to be for teenagers. This is no. This is grown-up music for grown-ups. Yeah, and, and it, it's particularly telling for me because I'm now the same age, pretty much, that he was when he released it. So it really, really hits home now because he's got that sense of perspective that people in their mid twenties needed to listen to and willfully ignored <laughs> because that's what you're like in your mid twenties. You really think you're the shit, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. This it, it's. For me, it's a masterpiece, really. Um, I think I think the more you listen to it, especially this one, l- less so the other ones, then I think you'll really kind of... I think you'll get more and more of it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you got anything else to add to it or outside of your kind of, like, phrases and stuff? I mean, basically, like I said, it's like there's no argument that the music's great, like I said. Like, from the first listen to the end, I enjoyed, like, all the tracks on there. It was just that... um for me, it was like it was like so many long songs in a row. So it was basically like when you when you give it a listen when you haven't heard him before, you're you're gonna kind of like for me, I guess for a newbie, you're gonna kind of like drift in and out. It's the guy, it's, and it's nothing wrong with the music. It's just that I feel like that's what the music is allowing you to do. If you do like when you do when you do dance tracks for like nine minutes, you're gonna do that. You're not you're not really gonna concern yourself with the lyrics to a certain extent, especially when it comes to dance. And like I said, that's where when I was when I was saying earlier about the lyrics, it was like if I'm listening to it four or five times, I'm so stuck on the music and I'm so stuck on drifting in and out. It's like I have I hadn't yet given given the lyrics a shot because of that. Yeah. I was still stuck on the music up to that point. Yeah, and I, I'd actually kind of agree. I mean, that that was I guess that was my final uh, my first exposure to this album as well. You know, if we're going back on that, all my friends, me hearkening back whilst 
drinking wine thing then around that time i used to play uh video games i mean it was, it was fifa basically or pro evo so we used to play football game and uh, i used to go around to my mate's house and uh we would literally you know we'd start at like 10 o'clock or something at night and we'd always just put one album on and just play it on repeat and we'd go till like three four in the morning and just sit there and let the album play and we'd just kind of kick each other's ass at football games at fifa or whatever it was at the time and this is that exact kind of album this is a great one to actually play video games too because it's it kind of gets you in the mood there are certain songs something like when us be them comes on suddenly the game gets super intense <laughs> you like you really kind of zone in and then, and then other ones you might sort of zone out and start talking to each other and then it's it's i think it's a great one to kind of that as that initial listen put it on whilst you're playing video games uh, it's actually a really good shout i have to say um but yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have too much more. I, I could just launch into really super in depth on this, but I think it, it's kind of one of these ones where the, you just have to trust me, listener. And if you've not listened to it, then you need to just get it for yourself and then give it some yeah. real good time and and then um, see how you go with it. To be honest, um, this more than any of the other ones. Uh, so that was two thousand and seven. And I think for me, that's that's LCD Sound Systems' masterwork, James Murphy's masterwork. And after that, he released another album, which is called This Is Happening. So that was in 2010. For me, um, it's a perfectly good album. It's a good kind of solid seven and a half, maybe eight out of ten on a good day. Um, but it's kind of going through the motions a little bit at times. And I think that's acknowledged through the lyrics and and. It's. It was his last one. It was his last album. He. He's just like I'm done after this, you know. Um, and I think. I think the thing that I never liked about it in particular was that there are nine tracks, right? And it's absolutely TikTok, TikTok, where there's one kind of dance element track versus one rock stroke punk track versus one dance versus one rock stroke blah blah blah, blah. and and it's literally through the whole album. And once you kind of get that, it's really. I think Sound of Silver is sequenced so intelligently where the tracks do bleed into each other beautifully. And okay, it can be to the detriment of the first listens, but once you kind of give it some time, it's perfect. Whereas this, I think it's just it's really lazily done. It's so lazily sequenced. Apart from like, okay, I, I like that Dance Yourself Clean kind of starts it off and stuff, but it, it, it's it's kind of, like I said, it's going through the motions in a lot of ways, but there's still a lot of great music. There's a lot of great production there are some good lyrics on here as well, um, and some, and a lot of good ideas and stuff like that. But but it's not to the level of Sound of Silver. What were your impressions of this is happening? All right, so here we go. So um, when I heard this one, like I said, like going back to the other album, it was it, the the music is not bad at all. It's solid. But after hearing that first album and the long songs, like the, the drift got even stronger on this one. Because remember how I gave you the uh, three um, adjectives or ideals for the first one, mm. for the first album? Well, this one, you, when you hear what I say, I, I think you a better idea of where I'm going to come from after I say it. So, Dance Yourself Clean, I said similar to the first album. Uh, Drunk Girls is like a mixture between the Cars and Jay Giles Band. Uh, one Touch is similar to the first album. Yeah. All I Want sounds like The Strokes. I Can Change is like Pretty in Pink meets You Too. You wanted a hit, sounds similar to the first album. Uh, pow Pow is talking heads meet funk. Uh, somebody's calling me. Uh, it's like a New York stroll with synths. And home is like uh, 70s prom dance music. Um, like you were talking about before, it just sounded like 
like I said, the, the songs are good and stuff like that. There's nothing there's nothing technically bad with the album, but it, a, a majority of it just sounds like the first album. Yeah. And the ones that do the ones that do sound different, it still sounds like it's it sounds like it's, it sounds like the uh, it sounds like the first album, but it's like he's playing the safe again. Like okay, people like that album, so let me not deviate too much from that one. So when I heard this one, it was kind of like I drifted even more after that one. And it was hard for me to really stay focused on songs at that point. Like in my head and intellectually, I knew they were decent songs. And on a normal day, to, they would be great albums. But after you hear the first one, and then you hear this one, and it's kind of like, okay, he's just going through the motions again. So it's that rough situation where it's like the music is technically not bad. It's very good. But at the same time, if you play this album back to back with the other album, or if you play them in the same like kind of like, um, like moment in time, it's all going to bleed together at that point. I would agree with a lot of that, to be honest. Like I said before, something. something <clears throat> well, I, I disagree with "Dance Yourself Clean" sounding like the first album because I don't think it does. Um, it's very slow, and then it goes into that crazy kind of like breakdown and stuff. Um, you don't really get that on the first album. "Drunk Girls," yes, absolutely. Like I mean, "Drunk Girls" is basically North American scum, you know, point two. And um, "One Touch" um, is, is again like it's basically get innocuous. <laughs> so and. Um, but all I want is is a very interesting one, actually. Um, you said I think you said the Strokes, right? But actually, it's it's um, it's basically David Bowie's song "Heroes." We could be heroes, that one. Okay. So it's the same chord progression. It's effectively an uh, uh, an homage to David Bowie, who he went on to work with on on Black Star, his final album before he passed away. So um, what it, that's one of those songs that deserves your time, actually. Um, uh, I can change, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of those love hate songs it's one of those ones that's so mm. sort of bash you over the head obvious but actually kind of wears you down a little bit after a while you wanted a hit is actually a low-key class song that's a great one it's nine minutes yeah but it's um it's one of those ones that could it sounds it doesn't actually sound that much like the first album once you've digested it on on the surface it does okay. yeah on the surface it does but it's actually a good song pow pow uh not sure about that one somebody's calling me it's okay uh, home is is a lovely song, but it, it's it takes the um, it takes parts of dance yourself clean and um, and then sort of speeds it all up and stuff. So home home's a nice song that's perfectly good. I feel like this album's too long. Basically, this album's just too long. Um, I think so. Yeah, like it's both both albums have nine songs, but Sound of Silver kind of flies by at times. Like there are certain a couple of tracks where it drags, but in general for me it flies by. This one it drags at times. There are times I'm like, okay, look, I'm sort of done here, just skip forward to the next song. You know, that's what happens when you've got like the opening track is nine minutes and then you wanted to hit nine minutes and those are two of the better songs. When when other songs just kind of hit that seven, eight mark minute and you're like, it's just come on now like okay, it's a bit it's it's almost <laughs> for the sake like. of it kind of thing you know it, it's definitely 10 minutes too long this album either cut one song or cut a minute off each song basically like it's too indulgent yeah. i get that that can be the point with certain things but uh, i just i just feel like he's out of ideas like sound of silver almost everything on it sounds really original to me even if he's interpolating yeah um, memories from his childhood or growing up and stuff in the 80s bands and that kind of or 70s bands and stuff at least he puts his own spin on everything this one it sounds like he's referencing himself or he's just referencing other acts too much for for most of the album um it can work on something like all i want because it's 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 a direct kind of 
um, lift of David Bowie and then you're like okay fine that's fine Dance Yourself Clean I just like that song Home yeah fine but there are too many other songs on here which are like I don't know and, and this song this album got really good reviews really strong reviews and I can understand why because yeah. I actually it's, it's, it's good it's good it's, it's a good yeah, it's album good, it's, it's perfectly good and in fact I think it at the time I kind of thought it almost works better as an album in certain ways than Sound of Silver but then I've kind of revised that opinion and now I'm like no fuck that shit I just don't I just don't think it has the heart it doesn't have that realness that Sound of Silver did um, it kind of it, 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 I don't know it sounds it sounds like a, an act that's kind of it knows it's 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 running out of steam, basically, you know, and, and I think, th- and he stopped after that for seven years, you know, I mean, we're actually going to do an arcade fire podcast really soon. And, um, and the two albums we're covering are funeral and reflector. So James Murphy in 2013 co-produced reflector. So he's, he stopped, okay. he stopped his own LCD sound system thing. And then he worked with arcade fire and, to I mean, spoiler alert, to good effect. So I think he needed to take a step back from LCD because they they were out of ideas at this point, or he was out of ideas, you know. Um, so I mean, it's one of these ones where I think there's some real quality on this, but it needed someone to come in and say, "Look, you need to edit the fuck out of this. This is just too indulgent." There are some really great ideas. There are kernels of good ideas, even if it's not the most original thing. But okay, you need to take the 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 butcher's knife to, the, to a lot of this album you know um so yeah and that's the frustrating thing because it's not it's technically it's not a bad album that's the that's the thing that's what's crazy about it it's not bad it's quality but at the same time when you put it up against the the first album you see it's like it's almost running in place in some to some aspect yeah and it's got really good reviews i mean that that year it was kind of named in, in like sort of top tens uniformly everywhere but i think that's that more affection. it doesn't shock me but i think it's more about affection for the artist and affection for sound of silver because i don't think this album's aged particularly well whereas i think sound of silver like i was saying before i think it's timeless in in, in most ways okay. um this one no <laughs> it has a time and that was 2010 and beyond that i think there are certain there are like maybe three maybe four songs where you're like okay yeah this really works um, the rest of it, I'm, I'm just not. I don't know. It irks me. It irks me. This album. There's something about it. I'm kind of like. It's almost like Sound of Silver was the debut that got me, even though it was their second album. And this is like the sophomore slump kind of thing in a way. But it, that wasn't the actual timeline of how it was because this is the third album. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sounding really down on it, but it's definitely a good album. And no, I'm sure, it like, sound down. it shouldn't be down. Most it, listeners, yeah. if you just press play on it and listen to it quite a few times, you definitely get a lot from it, but not to the, the really deep core level. I, th- I guess Sound of Silver just had a lot more heart than this. I think this is more kind of music from the brain, and Sound of Silver is music from the heart in a lot of ways. So I, I would say this I would say, I would say this. If you put both those albums on a playlist and then go in your car and hit shuffle, it'd be fine. Yeah. I think if, if you just drive into it, I think if you're sitting down listening to it, it's a different story. I think that's where the problem comes in. But if you're like in a car with people, I think pe- if you if you're in a car with people and people never heard it, they'd be interested in it. They'd be like, "Wow, this is good shit." They would they wouldn't think so hard about the two albums as separate entities. They would like just go, "Okay, this is a good song." And then you could tell it's from the same person, so it would be a lot more forgivable of the repetition that if you just had it in the car and people were just cruising around to it and weren't paying 100 percent attention to it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I know that you're the kind of person who you'll take like an artist's old 
you know, whole catalogue and then just hit shuffle. And then if it sounds the same, then, you know, it sounds like uniform in certain ways, then then that's a good thing. And, and I think LCD is kind of like that to an extent. Um, but like a song like I Can Change, you know, that's kind of, in so many ways, it's just a facsimile of someone great but just to to a far lesser degree like it's got a lot more bump to it but a lot less heart and, and that's why it's, yeah yeah so that's why i said pretty pink versus pretty in pink meets used too and i and then some of yeah. i had john hughes and molly wingwalt so basically that's what it was yeah yeah i think that's a very fair comment um, i'm very interested to, i mean i don't really have too much else to say about this is happening to be honest um I'm very interested to see what's going to come this year with LCD because okay. cause seven years is a good break. And like I said, they've done some other stuff like James Murphy co-produced uh, Arcade Fire's massive double album Reflector, which we'll be covering mm-hmm. uh, very soon. And, um, and he's one of these guys who's, like you alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, like there's a lot of critical wankery over him. But it's ironic because he doesn't really... <laughs> Well, there is, there is, but it's ironic because he doesn't really care. I know, about that. I know. He doesn't really care about that. It's the critics that kind of get into this this wank circle and just like play soggy biscuit over it and stuff. And it's just like, do you I know? can't stand oh. that shit. I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. Just recommend the album. Use your use your writing skills to explain the album, and then let the listener enjoy it, and then let let the let let the masses seem to praise it sometimes. Like I said, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of critics who champion like certain people that are unheard and stuff like that, and I get that. But they, you don't necessarily have to go overboard with the with the superlatives. You, it sounds like it's like a it's like sploosh sploosh sploosh. I'm like, let's calm down. It's just how it feels like to me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it just irks but me. I mean, on the same token, I can understand why critics might have gone a bit overboard with this is happening because that halo effect of Sound of Silver. Because I do think Sound of Silver is that good now, but and and it, it's it's richly deserved all the hype um as opposed to you know like some of the acts that you were referring to at the beginning of the podcast you know who really didn't but, but like we said before you know sometimes the british music scene just goes completely ott on on acts that don't deserve it sometimes the american music scene does and it just yeah these they, things happen right people are so it, yeah. desperate to will yeah. a, a, a scene a quote unquote a quote unquote scene into existence that it, it kind of happens you know I remember, like, Liverpool was trying to, like, get this... There were, there were people from Liverpool trying to get this really amazing scene going, like, about three or four years ago. And I was listening to the acts, and yeah. I was like, yeah, they're perfectly fine, but they're never going to be, like, an amazing scene. There's not, like, legendary <laughs> artists coming from this. We're just trying to force it. They were just trying to force it too much. And, and sometimes, you know, music critics... Uh, as a music critic myself, I've, I've probably fallen victim to this as well, yeah, like, um, at times, but I think... I think I don't think I got too into into it that much because I don't know. I, I hope not. Anyway, I'm probably wrong, but you know. I will say though, just for for preparation for the for the for when we do Arcade Fire, that was the reason why I could not take Arcade Fire seriously for a while. For a while. And I was like, "Fuck you guys!" I was literally like put middle fingers at every views. I'm like, "Just calm the fuck down." Calm. I was like, "When Butler, you're losing my wallet. Forget about that shit." I was like, "Just come on now." I was like, "You're killing." And and like I just I didn't I, and I and I and I and I played him a few times and I just I was like, "I want to, I, I want to give it a shot," but the critics are just making me so angry that I'm going to come back to it later. So I'm glad you made me listen to the um, arcade fire stuff. Otherwise, I probably never, never come around to it. I just like I said. Um, like I said, I, I respect criticism. I think as a literary major, I'm a fan of criticism. I think criticism is very important. I think it, 
it, it's like a time capsule in a sense, especially really, especially great criticism. It's like a time capsule. It's like this is what people thought of that kind of that that form of music or form of literature or form of film at that time. Criticism, I think, is very important. It's a very important compliment to art. But at the same time, I just sometimes wish that certain, and it's not all of them. I would say maybe it's maybe like if you talking about if you put all critics in like in, in like in like in like a room, I would say it's maybe ten percent of them that really do that that hype shit. So it's not critics as a whole. I think the average. I think on average, the reliable critic. I'm talking about not 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 amateur critics, but the reliable one that takes their craft seriously and work on it. I think most of the, the most of the time, I would say eight times out of ten, they're very measured with their um with their reviews and stuff like that. But every every once in a while, you have something where it's like it's like this is blah blah blah. It's gonna change blah blah blah. And I'm like just just report that the music is great and then let your listeners um be the final judge. And like I said, if it's somebody who's obscure, that's when you really champion those people. Like you champion that and go that route. But don't go so far as to like say it's the greatest thing ever, blah blah. Because then two years later you come back and then you have like for example, like we had the Strokes and we had the Vines and and all those guys out there and they try to do that that seventies garage mm. American stuff. And it was a pushback. People were like, "We're not getting into this." Like I enjoyed the Strokes. I played I played the Strokes for my friend. He's a guitarist, and he was like, "That's it. That's the that's the sound everybody's going crazy about." He was like, "We heard this before." And like they were trying to basically what I my theory was with that group was they were trying to like bring that that clothing style in so people start buying that kind of clothing style <laughs> and go that route. I just felt like it just felt like they were trying to advertise that they're trying to bring back that 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 CBGBs kind of feel back to like that and the kids were not swallowing it at all. Like Pitchfork did a, a ten year retrospective of um, Is This It, which is the Strokes album, right? And and. I was just still thinking, I was like, man, and and so I played it just to think if my opinion had changed. I was like, this is perfectly good music. Yeah. It does not feel classic in any way to me, right? It, it, you know, it doesn't feel like this is amazing, you know, genre shifting, this kind of that. It's just good music that harkens back to an era. It's kind of like when, you know, rap a couple of years ago started sounding like the 90s all over again, yeah. And it's kind of like it's trying to will the 90s back and it, it's very lazy, very lazy, you know. Anyone could make a 90s beat And the now. kids are rejecting it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the kids are rejecting it. And the kids are rejecting it. You're absolutely right because the kids aren't stupid. They can see through these kind of stuff. Okay. <laughs> okay, you know, you could say, okay, the kids are stupid because they like certain types of music. But actually those ones... The, the cream rises to the top in the end, right? And, and, and okay, the strokes were popular and they were critically acclaimed and stuff like that, but I don't think it's aged particularly well. You know, I, I don't think they have particularly. And they've kind of fallen off the face of the earth as well. And I, th- I think people have better... I think people have better bullshit detectors than, than, than they're given credit for, put it that way, you know? Yeah. Like, I think, I think Sam I Silver is, is bullshit detector proof. Um, whereas this is happening is <laughs> I, I think people you know already kind of like saying that okay yeah the sound of silver is the masterwork this is happening it's just a nice addendum kind of thing on, on to the next one yeah um like last night i was i'm getting back to your point about criticism and and, and whether it's of music art, cultural criticism whatever it is so um last night i was watching eyes wide shut the uh, final stanley kubrick film now I, i've seen i actually watched it in the cinema i've seen it like probably 20 times or something and when i saw it in the cinema i was like i was a kid basically and i got out of cinema thinking what the fuck did i just watch this was the absolute (laughs) bullshittest shit i should have just gone and watched what you know the stupid blockbuster that was in screen number eight instead the water wasted my i think phantom menace came out of time yeah yeah i think phantom menace was about i think i think that was about four or five months earlier so um 
but this was around kind of like autumn time 99 and i was just so disappointed i was like what the fuck did i just watch now i was a teenager at that point so i just didn't get it yeah and i wasn't a clever teenager i wasn't one of these ones who's like super blah 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 i just didn't get it at all and years went by so i didn't bother with it for another three or four years and then basically i found on the internet one night i think they were showing it on tv and i started watching it i started getting back into it and um and this critic called uh, Lee Spiegel had written an article on it, at, I think actually at the time, um, rebutting loads of critics because it got panned. Right? I cannot describe how badly Eyes Wide Shut got panned. And, um, oh, I know. Yeah, and, and, and from people, idiots like me, basically. But I, was just, I wasn't a critic back then or anything like that. <laughs> anyway, so this guy was like, look, this is a fucking work of art. Here is why. It's about this, 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 this. And I read it, right? And, um, and, and then I started rewatching the film like two, three, four times. And I was like, fuck me, this is amazing. Once you have that frame of reference, you suddenly understand everything. And so that guy held my hand and showed me, no, this is what you're supposed to look for within the film. And, and, and that's what a critic's role is. It, oh, that's what an amazing critic's role is. I mean, I'm, I'm nowhere near what that guy was. And so I actually emailed him and said, look, thank you so much that was just incredible the way that you broke it down i didn't realize that the article was like five years old and this guy is some sort of fucking legend <laughs> I googled, him, googled him last night i was like holy shit that guy's like some sort of legend or something you know i just casually emailed him as if he was some grad student or something um so yeah it, it was just um i i think the role of criticism like you're saying i think i think stick to the art explain why you think it's great you know there's no need to try and hype up a scene and stuff like that and and to james murphy's credit i don't i think he's probably of the same mind that we are you know he'll never listen to this podcast yeah never in a month of sundays but his people might and they might be like yeah okay you know that's that's kind of what he was going for he just wanted to put it out there he's not concerned about the feedback loop you know he doesn't care about that um so yeah well, that was a little nice little tangent at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, I think that was a very salient point, to be honest. Okay, well, I don't really have too much else to say because really... Okay, I mean, the only thing I'd say is that it, the first album is worth a listen, for sure. There are some good moments on it. Yeah. Um, but we didn't cover it deliberately because I, I didn't want to overload Rochard because I think that would have been too much, to be honest. Um, so, yeah. but, but for for... The listener, yeah, feel free to go back into their their debut and stuff like that. But Sound of Silver is the one. Just just pay mind that is the one. That's the centerpiece. That's the Empire Strikes Back of the Star Wars trilogy kind of thing, I guess. Um, Okay, well, yeah, so as we alluded to before, we're going to be covering Arcade Fire um, and a couple of others soon. So stay tuned for those ones. Also, I keep forgetting to mention we have a Facebook page now. I probably haven't mentioned it on the other podcast, but we have a proper functioning Facebook page now. So make sure you like it. Look for the Transatlantic (laughs) Rebels podcast. Like it. Give us feedback. Um, We're going to start doing more and more things like Rashad was doing the other week. We actually tell you what we're going to do in advance so you can give us comments and we can include them, incorporate them. Um, and yeah, you can also follow us on Twitter at T underscore rebels on Twitter. So, um, thanks very much for listening. My name is Jessel and this is for sure. Yeah. And one day we will come out with a great outro, some really wise words. Maybe, maybe <laughs> James Murphy, who, t- who turned down Seinfeld can like pen us just a really clever, like closing sentence. Cause we just sure as hell can't come. Yeah. Up. I should probably work on it. Yeah. All right, peace.
Peace out.